Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and today we are covering still the ongoing um, events that are going on in across the globe now at this stage. Um, and more importantly, look, just if you are listening to this and you want to do something, you can go to, I, I, I'm going to recommend uh, Massey Ireland and you can go in and you can, you can contribute, you can, you can chip in and you can make a donation. These are, these are times, I know we go on about the podcast all the time needing money, but so do these organizations. So if you can, put your hand in your pocket, help these people out, help everybody out in, in what is now, I believe, based on what I, with my conversation with Tiana Bartoletta, we, we, we're facing the moment now. Let's step up. Martin, how are you? Not too bad, Tony. Uh, dull, grey day out there. But hey, we're here and it's, it's a nice, warm atmosphere. I see some great faces. We have Vicky. We have Lynn. We have Enda. That's great. <laughs> listen, you know, th- listen, I got to go. The, the, the last time we met uh, Ibrahim Halawa, we, 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 we were in uh, Starbucks on Westmoreland Street. Yeah. And we were we were upstairs and we were having a chat and you were and he was he was a, a a big hearted young man who had been through a lot an awful lot and he and he spoke very very eloquently yeah. about it and now I see Ibrahim you're now a law student no. yeah it's great. how are you, how are you how are you mate to be honest I'm I'm great like you've you're catching me at a great time in my life. Uh, maybe perhaps if you would have caught me like two or three weeks ago, I wouldn't have been the best. I probably would have been at probably the worst point in my life. Um, and I know that could be taken out of context and be like, this guy went to prison, like, you know, but um, I think there is many issues to be highlighted. And I kind of mentioned that on my Twitter um, and we could be speaking about that later on. But in regards to kind of law school, um, it was it was a change. Um, it was difficult. Um, but it was it was kind of it was kind of heartwarming for me to be able to sit in that lecture hall um feel like that I'm part of this student committee somehow again and that I'm you know I'm contributing to the student life by joining societies by being part of you know just just reliving the moments that I've always missed um while I was uh, while I was uh, in, in Egypt in prison in Egypt I think it got very difficult for me because I'm also working a full-time uh, job at, at the same time where I finish like 2 a.m so I kind of have to wake up like 9 a.m run rush to college get dressed rush to college and go to work after the college um, so I wasn't getting any time for myself and it was getting stressful and I was trying to do as well, you know, my my part kind of with activism and kind of to the political prisoners I left behind and contribute to that. And I think I just, I I overworked myself and I and, and I reached a point that I, I just crashed and, and I'm glad that I reached that point because it was kind of where I had to lay out everything and set my priorities, take care of myself, understand what I need and move forward especially with with college because it's been a dream so long to be in college and I was I was with Ray two days ago and I said I I was I was bluntly honest with it like I I nearly dropped out and I just didn't want to do this anymore I felt like you know um things were overwhelming I I, I didn't know where I was in life and I didn't know where I can move forward with and I spoke about that that it can get difficult sometimes for men especially I just, I just want to pick you up on that. As, as I've seen, like you can't carry water for everyone, mate. Yeah. Like, I mean, you came back, and we had this conversation, and you came back, and you felt like, okay, I have to go, I have to be out in the street uh, talking for amnesty. I have to be doing these media appearances. I have to be doing all of these sort of things. And I think it's a great sign that 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 you've shown. 
this. I mean, it's not. No one wants to burn out, but burnout is 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 part of the human condition, mate. And and you know, um, can I can I ask you though? You did literally tweet just before we started about that experience, and it's not about the experience of of um of being in prison, and you know, and and it's about the experience of the years afterwards, and how you've more or less said, look racism was one of the reasons you stayed in prison as long as you did like uh, you know and I did, we always made the point that if you'd been a, a white the son of a white middle class banker you wouldn't have been in prison as long um, in my opinion anyway and then the second part was how that weighed on you when you came home do you want to just give us a put that in context for us if you could I think um, when I came home for me it's um, like I'll start off where it kind of started off uh, that issue for me. I was receiving, con- uh, I, I said this to you in the, in the last time I had a podcast that I, I was receiving screenshots or letters of what was going on in the campaign in, in some, in some prisons. Um, but you know, my sisters were always giving me the filtered stuff and I wanted to kind of see, you no, know, what, what was the other side saying? Uh, and came, came out rumors like, you know, um, he's not, he's oh, as Irish as he is. Like the, one of the tweets I said, Ibrahim uh, Ohalawa or whatever, that I mocked uh, the name mm. or the fact that it, you know, they said he burned his passport or he should run in prison or, 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 and there were so many of those uh, things that really kind of got to me. And I felt like, you know, while I was in prison, I was waiting just to kind of be released to be able to justify that, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm as Irish as it gets. I was born and raised in Ireland. I'd done everything. I played hurling. I played Gaelic. I went out with my friends. I did, you know, I was stupid as a teenager. That, it happens. That's, that's a part of the process. And we need to acknowledge that it's okay to have, you know, a, a person that's Irish that's not, you know, white, white skinned or, you know, blonde hair or blue eyes or his name is not Paddy or his name is not Michael because that it's, it changes happening around the world and we need to adapt to that because, you know, if you don't adapt to that, it's going to end up as a result of people, you know, being frustrated, people, um, people just angry and, and they want to kind of express themselves. And to, to be honest, people are going to start taking the streets and they're going to start, you know, um, calling on us and we're going to look bad in front of the whole world. Um, if we're, you know, if we're not kind of taking those people in and listening to them and seeing that, oh, it's okay, there is racism in Ireland that we need to address. Ignoring it is not is not uh, is not part of the solution. Um, and for me, I felt like, okay, I had to come out and I had to justify and that. And that's exactly where my crash happened. Uh, I kind of failed to absorb it, and I and that was one of my main problems. That I went on the late late show too uh, too soon. That was number one. I sat there on a seat as if I was on a hot seat uh, being investigated um, of why I, I kind of um, took part in the protest to help people that were oppressed, which is exactly happening in Ireland. You know, like if there's if there's one of those Irish people right now in America and he's locked up for a protest of Black Lives Matter, I, I kid you not, he will be released and he will be addressed by the government and he will be, you know, helped in every sort and every manner to be brought back uh, to the country as soon as possible. I don't want to mention that there was other names, big names um, who were released on, you know, on crimes that they have committed while I was in prison. And I think we know who I'm talking about, but still, um, you know, they were abroad and they've committed frauds and, and they were released. And that for me was a bit painful that I just felt like constantly I have to justify myself constantly. I have to mention why I'm, um, I'm, I am who I am and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And, and it was, you know, people were failing to understand that. And that's why I kind of mentioned my tweet because I, I went back and I said, guys, like, okay, uh, you know, we're taking it to the streets, Black Lives Matter, but it's, it's, it's not only a, you know, a problem about blacks, it's a, it's a problem about racism in general. We need to kind of start 
understanding those people who are being racially profiled, who are being racially attacked and listen to them and see what the problem is and solve the issue because just ignoring it and saying that it's a minority, oh, Ireland is great, Ireland's beautiful, but those racists are minority. Sorry, my lamp was about to fall. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, saying that those Irish... um, that those Irish people are a minority. That's a big issue for. That's a big problem that we need to tackle. Um, and I felt like kind of I needed to tackle it from a legal perspective, and that's why I kind of took up law. That I need to, you know, I need to be able to know what I'm talking about. I need to be able to bring up my my legal references. I need to be able to, you know, address professionally these issues uh, without just sounding like some uh, immature person who kind of just experienced the problem because people don't listen unless sometimes you have facts and numbers and 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 references. And that's why I felt like I I, I need to kind of use my platform um, in regards to that, to that just, matter. Can, just on the, what you've said there, it's, 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 an, it's an attitude that's actually, finally, you, you keep hearing it being repeated lately. And only in the last week, till the truth, Martin, where you hear people say, you know, it's not enough now to say I'm not a racist. You now have to say I'm actually going to be actively anti-racist. And that's okay. That's encouraging. It's good to see that. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I'm very conscious of the of the idea that you know um, we've, we've seen the movement of Black Lives Matter. We've seen what what has set it off, and then we see yesterday um, the the leader of the country himself, a person of color, saying, you know, well, look, it's not compulsory. Our, our own, I'm gonna, I, I'd call it systemically racist. I'd call it like institutional racist um, mm. racism, and we call it this. And he said it's not. You know, you get light, heat, water, uh, and you get you get a bit of spending money. Yeah. What did you think when you heard that? To be honest, I, I, straight away I tweeted about it. Like when he when he mentioned that. No, it's not compulsory. Well, like there's there's a lot of you know, you know a person who's in prison doesn't want to. It's not compulsory for him. If he had the choice, he'd be you know he'd leave if he wanted to. But he was put there by the government, and if he if he doesn't have another choice, he'll be left on the street. Then we have another homeless problem. We have immigrants on the street, and then we go into that you know racially profiling that every single and I'm sorry to mention this by name that every single Romanian on the street is a you know uh, is a scammer is a you know they yeah. they have man- it's that that that's issues that keep following upon one mistake that we keep creating from the very start and I and I felt like you know I had food in prison um whether it was good or whether it was bad that's food is not an issue that's not that's not the number one on on the pyramid for you um I had um I had I had electricity that was provided by the government in prison. You know, lights outside. It was it was good. It was it was beautiful. They gave me uh, two covers uh, to lay on the ground with, so that was all right. Um, you know, so so the minute I I heard that, I straight away mentioned about it that yeah, it's exactly as prison. It, you can't just tell me that. Oh, sorry, we're going to leave people there because we need to check up on um you know we're going to spend millions and millions and millions to companies where we could and i'm sorry if, if it's debatable that we can you know ireland needs to be safe and i'm and i'm with that and i'm totally with this the, with the argument that ireland's need ireland needs to be a safe place um and we need to kind of uh, do our security background checks on people before they enter the country but the amount of money we're spending on um on facilities and on electricity as he's saying and on as food where um, we could be, you know, spending that exact same amount of money on, um, like on, the, you know, on, on ways and, and methods of knowing and improving of who this person standing in front of me is. If he's safe, he, he gets to live in the country. If he's not safe, you know, hold him back for a while. Um, whereas we're spending millions and millions on, on stuff that are, you know, that are totally absurd just to keep multi-million dollar companies in business. 
Yeah, it, it's well, it's an it's an industry now. It's it's we it said is. alone five point eight seven million to Aramark alone. Martin, you wanted to come in. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's structural violence is what it is, and and in what he said, Taoiseach conflated structural violence with personal violence. Structural violence um, reversed it's preventable harm or damage to people, and. There is, we can change direct provision, certainly. We can, we can change the police force, but going after individual uh, police officers here or in other countries, that doesn't solve the problem. What you need to do is go after the structure that's there because it's the structure that's inherently racist. Yeah, totally. And I totally agree with that. And, and that's why I kind of mentioned that it reminded me so much of prison because so much people suffer in there. You, you need to actually listen to people who are in, uh, you know, direct provisions and they've suffered and it's, you know, and it's taken them so long to protest, to get the right to work. Um, they've, they, some of them get very little money, which is 38 euro a week. And I'm sorry, you can't do much with 38 euro in Ireland. Like it's, it's very little money. And not only that, but you have people who've come to your country who have kids who are most likely going to be the future uh, and part of the future of this country and you're mentally damaging them. You know, there was a, I was reading yesterday an article and there was a UN report that 95% of people who are in direct provisions, you know, suffer of some mental health issue after them going through that. I'm sorry, but if that doesn't tell you of how the future of Ireland is going to be, that if you have 95% of people contributing to the economy are suffering from mental health already now, then how does our future going to, how is our future going to look like? We're pretty Abraham, much can I, can I ask you just, you've done you and you continue to advocate for change in Egypt. Yeah. Um, and which I, which, you know, it's to your eternal credit. You've never backed away from the fact that, you know, that is where your family um, originate. You still have family there yeah. and you still talk about it. Just can you give us, a, a, if you don't mind giving us, it's a slight digression, but give us a sense of what it is actually happening on the ground there at the moment from, from your perspective. It's an intro. I know it's not where we we're going to go today, but I just saw it. I saw you tweeting about it earlier and I thought I'd better ask because it's, it certainly doesn't get much coverage now that you're home. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think um, I'm working on a new campaign in regards to Egypt and hopefully we can, we can launch it soon. Um, you know, uh, just, we don't like, and that's what people always say that, you know, there's, there's black lives matter, but, there's Palestinians who are dying the same way. And I feel like that's total disrespect to the people who, of Palestine who died and to the people of black communities who've also suffered uh, such oppression. Um, you don't need to kind of link one another to, um, to kind of justify the actions of, uh, of a crime. No, we can advocate on behalf of Palestine and fully advocate and see what maybe the Black Lives Matter campaign has done that successfully reached a goal that maybe um, Palestine uh, protesting was, was not successful. And that's why I felt like, you know, people were saying, you know, messaging me saying, oh, what about Palestine? What about Syria? I said, you know, Egypt, Egypt's a close case to my heart, but I'm not advocating fully on Egypt as I'm advocating on Black lives matter right now because it's a problem that needs to be tackled we live in a world of problems and world of problems you know these problems need to be tackled on a daily basis um and allowing those people who have suffered for so long to mourn their own problem is not 
in whatsoever way neglect, neglecting another problem. It just means that giving them the time right now to, um, to address their problem and to help them in every manner that we can. And if we create change from one platform, you never know, that could be the chain of, you know, uh, the, the chain of change for, for every other case that follows after that, if people become uh, aware. And that's one of the things I really liked about this campaign is that uh, we've noticed on social media that everyone is saying, educate yourself before you speak. Yeah, you know, it's it's a change. It's a change in the way we're talking to people. It's a change in raising awareness. And instead of fact, like you know, this is happening in Egypt and this is happening in Egypt. No, I'm sorry, you're old enough. Get your ass on the internet, do your own research, and come back to me and become part of the change. It needs to be straightforward like that. And and you know, what's happening in Egypt is very sad because a lot of people are suffering from coronavirus. The government is is failing to to tackle it. Um, uh, it's very hard for millions of people who are being lied to and not being told the truth about the numbers and about the disease to socially distance. You know, you know, um, there's, there's so much prisoners who are, who are suffering from coronavirus and they're not being released. Um, they're not being uh, separated because there's no, there's no places to bring them. So if one catches it, there's many that, that I've caught. I have my friend who was, he was in prison for three years and then his brother was in prison for four years. They were both in the same case, released on different dates. They traveled, left to Turkey, Turkey, and then their dad was imprisoned just uh, about a year ago. They went up to their house, took their dad for no reason. And his dad just, his dad's old and he suffers from, from many diseases. And, he, and then he just caught coronavirus in prison there. So imagine, imagine like, I'm sorry, but imagine if we're complaining about a protest um, and us spreading the disease because we're going to be, you know, we're going to be infected with a second wave of coronavirus diseases. Imagine being in a room with 50 people and one is infected. That's the 50 people infected. And those 50 people have come into contact yeah. with other people. I'm just going to spread like crazy. Yeah, no, we, 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 we spoke to, um, uh, we, we've actually, we've been, we've been with Irish Justice um, Network as well. And they, they, they were advocating in, in parts of Africa where, particularly around prisons, where if it gets in, it's, that's the end of that, you know, because it will just go everywhere. You can't. And then I spoke uh, with Rachel actually on, on Disturbing the Peace this week with, with um, uh, Kavri Madhavin and she was talking about in, in India how like you know a country of a billion people trying to trying to self isolate and but the, I suppose the important thing that you've pointed out is it's it's possible to actually care about more than one thing at once mm-hmm. uh, you know you can actually say you know black lives matter and that doesn't negate that you know you're not still fighting for another campaign or you're not still interested you are you you were still working. You were still active with Amnesty. Um, yeah, I'm still, of course, active with Amnesty. I'm, I'm, I'm active also with many uh, NGOs um, because I just believe they all pour in the same pot at the end of the day, and, and it's for change and for for human rights. So I'm not picky about you know, oh, but these people are this or these people are that. If they're fighting for a cause that I feel that you know they're doing the right thing and the right cause, I I will help them and I will give them the support they need because maybe you know maybe they don't know something that. I know or I don't know something that they know and we can share mutual grounds and kind of reach a mutual goal with that. Um, But, you know, it's crazy to think of like, you know, many people speak about Iran and how difficult the system is in Iran and how, you know, how the process is and how much oppression there is in the government of Iran. But in the end of the day, Iran, the the first things, one of the first things it did was released as many prisoners as possible when coronavirus happened. Uh, it released, I think, in the first day over seventy-five thousand, if I'm not mistaken. So, if that speaks that speaks volumes, that it can be done. 
and mm. you can process uh, people who are, are are on you know there's a lot of political prisoners in egypt there's i'm pretty sure there's over 60,000 now um and if you release them that's a that's a whole lot of numbers that you're going to have you know empty empty spaces for that you can at least apply the socially distancing distancing um procedure within within prisons the the other thing on that, and I don't know if you're aware, but um, it comes back to direct provision again for me, um, because we saw we spoke to João Pina in Portugal, and and he explained how they normalised this. The um, basically it was a half a million um, immigrants, yeah, Martin. Yeah. And they, yeah, they, they just cr- did it. Snap of the fingers. That was yeah, it. They, they just legis- They just did it. Legislated for it and said that if you so if you're in a in a in a, in a migrant community and you get. COVID or this case of COVID, you can get medical treatment and that will help slow the spread. Whereas what we're seeing are, you know, they keep, what do they, how do they refer to it as when there's a cluster, a cluster of cases in, in a direct provision center? When you think of the terms we put on these things, um, can I ask you a, a big question? In the last few years, um, has, it, has it gotten, do you think it's gotten worse? Uh, casual racism or are, are, we, are we getting any way better? To be honest, I think it it has slow. Like I'm, I'm going to be honest with this, and I'm not going to be around the bush with it. Like, uh, and be Please like, don't. yeah, like, look, the Irish people, like, they're amazing. I, I, they're my people, and I, and it's my family, and I feel like we've come such a long way to kind of accept other communities. Um, but it's been a problem since growing up. Like, if 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 we say Ibrahim received hate because. Um, for example, he was put in prison. But let's look at my life before before prison. I, I always mention this growing up. You know, we were always called slurs like "packy," uh, mm. "go back to your country." Uh, you know, you, you're robbing our tax money. That that was something on a normal day basis that I had to tolerate. That I had to compare of. And you know, when I listened to it, I had to it had to uh, be normal. And I, I told you, I remember this. That you know, there's 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 also my nieces and nephews in primary school, and they're suffering from the same thing. That you know, some kids are like, you know, go back to your country. They did. And my, my sister went up to her mom and she was like, mom, the kid is telling me to go back to their country. She said, this is your country. You were born here. Don't listen to her. Like, so it's not fair that, you know, after still like after another 20 years, the kids are going through the same thing. Exactly. You think that, you know, by, by the progress of technology, by the pro- progress of uh, social, uh, you know, awareness of, of such campaigns. Uh, and social media as well that people will kind of become aware and teach their children and there was a, a great few videos I think that were you know roaming online about uh, people teaching their kids and I think that's very important that there was an amazing video that went around yesterday a dad was teaching his kid like bringing up pictures of uh, black and white kids and he's like what's the difference and he was like oh they're just hugging each other oh but he he didn't he didn't acknowledge the fact that there's a black and white kid in the picture and that's the kind of generation you want to raise um, that, you know, I see the difference in the picture. If, if there's an action, if there, if there was a, a, if the kid is crying, if the kid is smiling, but there's not a difference in color. Um, and I think in, in Ireland for the past three years, I, I need to acknowledge that, you know, I brought up that tweet and I went to, yesterday kind of going back to the tweets. And I didn't want to do that because it kind of triggered a lot of emotions for me uh, yesterday. But I needed to highlight that it's it's been there while I was in prison. It's been there when I was released. And it continues to go there. And unfortunately, that with a lot of that, we we kind of, we tend to put it on their free speech. Mm. You know, uh, yeah. we can attack people based on their race because it's free speech. We can attack people based on uh, you know their their ethnicity because it's free speech. And if you, if you cause them harm, sorry, sorry, I didn't. I only caused your harm verbally, but it's still that's free speech. That's not free speech. I don't. I don't care. I'm not going to accept that. 
I've been in prison for speech with the free speech and I understand that, you know, what free speech is. And if you tell me that hurting someone's feelings by, you know, by kind of pointing out their color or pointing out the way they eat or pointing out the foods they eat or pointing out who they are, that's not free speech. That's, that's total bullshit. A free speech is, is, you know, is kind of uh, attacking their certain behavior in, in regards to the community, if whether it's whether they're contributing with something good or whether they're contributing with something bad, pointing out these little things and on how to kind of, we can call that free speech should be a constructive criticism. That's what free speech should be. Um, but free speech should no way be a, an attack a, a, and socially, um, you know, attacking someone based on uh, on their, you know, their, 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 whatever their profile is. Do you think the ascent of Trump in the U.S. has tapped into a latent racism that already existed here, but has given them freedom, more freedom to voice it? Definitely. I definitely think that. I think we've seen around the world the, the rise of, you know, um, conservative parties in the UK, uh, in America, in, you know, all around the world, in, in Holland, it's been in Italy as well. Um, I think we've also allowed that so much hate towards, and again, I'm not going to be around the bush with this. If, if they come out, they're white, that they're white skinned, they're fair haired, and they ta- attack Muslims, it's fine. They attack, you know, people of ethnic minorities, it's fine. Um, but if if it was the other way around, exactly like the tweet I posted about the kid holding the gun yesterday, mm. if it was the other way around, and you know, us brown people came up and said like you know, the government's this or the government's that. And it is, it's like, you know, we're, we're trying to radicalize the people or we're trying to, you know, we're trying to get them to become terrorists or we're trying to get them to, you know, to, to, to sway away from the, the, the real views that everyone believes that, you know, Ireland should be only white people with blue eyes and red hair and fair skin. Because if we do that, you know, they're taking over. It's okay to accept them. It's okay to bring them into our community. And it's okay to kind of, you know, give them, um, you know, some 38 euro a week and some food and and, and some shelter. But we can, you know, we, we won't allow them to work. We won't allow them to contribute to our economy. Because if they do so, it's wrong. But then yet again, some white supremacist in America can walk around with a gun and, you know, uh, think he can shoot anybody or call hate against Muslims as he wants. I think, remember, uh, last year, two years ago in the UK, there was posters going around of hunt the Muslim down. Mm. You know, if, if Muslims said hunt the Christian down, I'm sorry, or hunt the white guy down. Oh, my days, that would have been all over the news. Yeah, well, it's there is the it's the othering, it's the double standard, and it's the and it's then it's the other fallacy of the sure it's just a few bad apples, and I think that's I think that's the thing that has to be called out all the time. It's time to stop saying it's just a few bad apples. If it's systemic, if it's institutional, if it's if it's actually, you know, I, I, I go back to where uh, um, Simone uh, George we interviewed her recently Martin she said her uh, her activism is feminist because the system was all made by by males so right, yeah. you know so even even within this even within that system there's a hierarchy and it does benefit um you know predominantly people like me white middle class men with red complexions um but nonetheless it, I can I just I suppose that the, the last thing it's like it's great it's great to, that you're not pulling any punches and I'm glad that you're 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 happier in in to to, to have that conversation but it does i don't care what anybody says it does wear on you i mean Mm. the microaggressions where are you from and you say where and you say tala and then they say no where are you really from um (laughs) 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 
But the, uh, I, I, like, and, I, and, I, and I'd say to listeners, go back and listen to Rachel's recent um, uh, Disturbing the Peace pod with, uh, with Nick and she ta- what he talks about being uh, four years of age where being put in a school in, in a class where the teacher just assumed he couldn't speak English because he was black. Yeah. And and he was sitting in a class for the people who were struggling, and he and he and a few minutes in, he went, "I shouldn't be here. I know all this." And and he went, "Oh, you speak English?" Yeah. And they were all horrified. Wow, like, wow yeah. that's a miracle, man. Yeah. So so so, um, does it? Do, do you get fed up having to apologize? Like even having to come and have this conversation? We're having this conversation, mm-hmm. um, for the, because there's a part of this in this world, in this country, we all go, "Oh, the other." Therefore, we have to we have to point it out. And we have to point at it because it's. Um, and I see. I know Sarah said is here. She she was a. You're very exotic looking. You know, would be one of the things people would say. Um, you know, and he, like is that is that a fair comment? Um, to be honest, look, I, 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 like there's difference between people who are good and people who have good intentions, and kind of us. Uh, directing them to the right way because they don't know and it's not a human crime to not know um you know but there's some tweets where maybe where it's like for example if i post something and and people stand in support with me that's the kind of people that you know i i happily raise awareness to and the people that don't know because for example in the last tweets um maybe people would say i'm sorry you suffered this from our people you know it's a good tweet but it shouldn't be our people because I am part of the people. And that's a kind of a change that we need to, you know, it's little change, but it makes huge difference that uh, your intention is good and, and it's understandable, but we need to make that change. We need to kind of change the systematic um, wording that keeps going on into people's head that, you know, they're, they're different, but we can accept them, but they're still different. Um, and that's low key telling your brain that, you know, that no matter how much they contribute no matter how much they become of our society no matter how much they were born and raised here it's still our people and your people mm. um and it's not like that whatsoever so if we advocate on to people who really want to know who want to understand that's amazing that's beautiful and i never get tired of that but some people are fed up some people are fed up of ignorant people you know some people are fed up of being called the n-word some people are afraid, uh, fed up of being called packy some people are afraid of just you know being told to go back home and, and like i said it, my niece doesn't have to go through the same thing or my nephew doesn't have to go through the same thing 20 years later. Um, like my, their uncle who's, who's 24 or 25 is, is born in this country and I have to go through the same thing again. That's, I think that's unfair to them. Um, it has, it has worn me off and I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. It has put me into severe depression and I haven't mentioned about that. Uh, and I, and I, and I'm, soon going to do a, a video and advocate about about that as well it's it's okay you know for men to suffer mental health uh we don't speak about this a lot we don't we don't we don't mention that at all you know um the man is always expected to be the tough bloke he's expected to be the hard man who doesn't wear off and if you wear off you're you're a weakling or you're that or you know or you can get homophobic you know someone can be weak and we would still throw slurs at homophobic slurs at them just mm. because they seem weak Oh, you know, he, he, he looks weak, but I think, I think he's gay or I think he's, you know, he's not right or he, that's stupid. And, and that's insane because some people, you, you never know their story. You never know what they went through. And we always toughen up our kids to be, you know, toughen up, take it like a man, take it like a, no, if he wants to cry, allow your kid to cry. If he wants to suffer uh, the pain he's going through, let him suffer and then start dealing with it. No one ever put a time frame on suffering. You know, we always, as human beings, we always put a time frame on suffering. Tell me one thing that, you know, that 
that a kind of a study or something that said there there should be a time frame on people crying. There should be a time frame on people being sad. There shouldn't be. If I want to be sad on certain issue, you don't understand it because you're not going through it. So let me be sad. If you want to help me get out of it slowly, then maybe I will start adapting to what you're saying. I will start going to a professional if I needed to go to a professional. Uh, I will start changing habits in my life that maybe have a, a have an impact on, on me negatively. Uh, and for me, that's exactly what happened I, I started going into media and i started just going the more i went on the media the more i received hate the more i went on the media the more i received hate the more i went on and you know people who were also protecting me felt like you know it, it's it's kind of getting stressful it's kind it's, it is getting annoying and i totally understand that like um you know lynn has been th- lynn has been by my side from day one um and like she's she's my hero and i look up to her and i uh, you know she's she's my she's my image of success she really is but Let's put it in two contexts. If if Lynn um, uh, if Lynn had fight uh, fought for a guy whose name was Paddy, he's you know blonde hair. Lynn would be a national hero. Lynn would be T shock tomorrow. She would. Uh, you know, yeah, she yeah. brought back a guy who's blonde. She fought for him. She went back all the way to prison. She went out of her ways. But because she fought for a Muslim guy who's brown, his name is Ibrahim. Oh no! I'm sorry, Lynn. You if, you, if if you were playing if you were playing 13 in school rugby, maybe we we would have had a chance. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mark, you wanted one more. Yes, I remember the last time we were talking, and the part your sisters played was was immense, and I could see that there was a huge bond between you and your sisters. How have your sisters been since? I think I think my sisters have been. Um, They've been happy to kind of get on with their life. Um, my sister Somaya, she kind of got a kid. Um, she kind of, well, she did get a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just happens like that. It does. It's just so real in my head. Like it's still, I, I still can't believe that Somaya got a kid. Um, uh, so, so she has a, She has a kid, a lovely boy. Um, you know, Fatima's moving on with her career, filming, uh, advocating, and, and and stuff like that. And Omaim is moving on to her small business that she wants to start. So um, they've worked so hard for me and it, it has been an experience for them and I'm so grateful for them and I'm so grateful that they, they had such an amazing experience to kind of uh, contribute to and uh, and be advocates on, you know, um, we have a brother, we're Irish, uh, we wear the hijab and it was kind of that change. And I said to you last time in the podcast that it was a it was a huge swift of a change to see that, oh, wait, there's brown people who wear hijab and, and they're calling on behalf of an Irish guy who's called Ibrahim Halawa. Um, and and that for them was kind of an experience. And, and you know, yesterday, like I told Samaya, I was telling her, she has a lot of uh, to go on with her kid. And I was telling her, Samaya, she, she found out that I was doing a, a campaign for Egypt. And I didn't tell her, to be honest, because she had a lot going on with her kids. And she came and she barged into my room and she was like, listen, you, do you think you understand about campaigns, right? I suffered for four years. I don't have a campaign. You should be asking me. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't listen, Ibrahim, I really appreciate your time um if you don't mind i am lads if anybody has if anybody wants to, to speak that you can all you can unmute and ask a question or just or type a question because look it, it, you know, we're amongst friends here as, as i as i said so i'm happy to, to facilitate if anybody wants to uh, don't all rush in can i jump in yeah please vicky do one of the things that, I mean, that was just amazing listening to you. And there's so many different things that come up and you're as inspiring as ever. But like with Leo's comments this week, and I was watching the When Women Won documentary last night and got really upset remembering what that was like going through it. And it just mm. feels like 
like a thing in Ireland that if we're not dying for stuff, it doesn't matter. You know, that's what Leo's saying. Like, it's not the same as, um, you know, a black man being killed by the police. And we saw this during the repeal campaign. Oh, they're not suicidal enough. And, you know, you're talking about the suffering and mental injury that, and we don't even have to look at direct provision, the kind of experiences you're talking about in school, the harm that causes and why we can't just... Like, we think we're all nice and friendly, and why can't we accept the harm that we're causing and the long-term damage that does to society? And if we're not dying, it's not enough. Um, yeah, I'm just really struck by that. I'm not sure it's so much a question, but... It's a, it's a very well-made point. Yeah, it is. And, like, I, I'm sorry to cut, to cut you off. And I think that was one of the kind of the questions I received also when I was I was giving a talk somewhere, and someone asked me, you know, do you think the UK, the Ireland's going to become like the UK where people are isolated into groups or into, you know, ethnic minorities by their own and each, each group is on their own? And I kind of, you know, I said, like, if we stop putting people into corners, they won't have to be sitting in the corner for the rest of their life. You know, if we don't, if we don't, from the kid of, of a young, we stop telling him, you know, you're a packy or if we stop telling him you're not from this country he's not going to be feel like you know that he needs to be isolated because he doesn't fit in it's it's all it's who we are that we kind of contribute to that to allow it to happen to to you know continue that systematic uh, oppression to kids and we don't we like i'm sorry all of us if we come to speak about it and lay down our, our thoughts there we don't really think about kids what they go to do. you know go to primary school enjoy your life it's okay don't hit a kid don't hit punch him but you don't really pay attention to the little things in the back of their brain where it's like, you know, you're not from this country. You're not from this country. If he hears that every single day, once he starts reaching secondary school, he's going to start to hang around with kids. He feels like they're the same color as him or they're, you know, the same background as him. And then that's how you create groups. It's not that they just come into the country. Oh, let's all live, uh, you know, uh, together and alone and, you know, leave this society. That, that, that's how the ghettos were developed. You know, blacks were pushed together. Uh, and whites were pushed into better communities. That's that's how they developed. And that's how, if we don't solve this problem in Ireland right now, that's how it's going to be. Because I seen a post yesterday or a tweet and someone said, yeah, I'm not standing for Black Lives Matter because there's a there's a bunch of them gathered together in Blanchestown. Because they never felt like they, they fit in. Like, like, and what's wrong with people living together in Blanchestown? I don't see that there's a crime in it. Like, if they mm. haven't harmed anyone, they want to live together and they contribute in, in, in working and building this society. What's wrong with that? Like, I, I, Absolutely. Lynn, are you, have you got some, sorry. No, I just see you came off mute there. Uh, well, one, I don't want to be Taoiseach. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, thank, thanks very much for the, the, the kind words, Ibrahim. I suppose for, for me, on, on reflecting on the, the campaign and what, what's going on at the moment, it's sort of like, the campaign that we fought and and your sisters, you do need to listen to their advice. <laughs> They're formidable uh, campaigners. Um, mm. But it, it, it sort of is, that's what it means to be anti-racist. Do you mm. know what I mean? And not just being, I'm not a racist. It's having to take those difficult decisions. Do you know what I mean? To put yourself out there and to, you know, to take the flack and to take the abuse um, because it's the right thing to do. And I think that that's where I suppose I got so much inspiration from Ibrahim's sisters because whatever about me with my white privilege, putting myself out there, like they really uh, pushed all of the boundaries to, to just, you know, they got blocked by the minister to me, <laughs> the Twitter yeah. account. Like, you know, when you have the minister 
of the country blocking you on Twitter for demanding that you, he campaign for your brother's release. Do you know what I mean? And then they went on the radio and, and when, when Ibrahim went missing and you had the same minister come out and say, no, 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 he's fine. He's in the prison. And having to then come back on and go, actually, no, you're wrong. You, you know, we made a mistake. He is missing. We don't know where he is. So like they, they, they took on the state and won, do you know what I mean, on behalf of their brother. And that's where I suppose it's the solidarity of those of us who do have that white privilege to stand right beside them um, and to, to support them in whatever way we can. And I suppose for me, that's that's the big lessons I took from, from that campaign was that you do have to use your privilege. Um, it's not just enough to go, yeah, free Ibrahim, hashtag, and move yeah. on. You, you actually have to put yourself out there. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm reminded again, Martin. You, you were there when uh, Bernadette Devlin Mikalski said, um, she said, solidarity. We're great at saying solidarity. Hashtag solidarity. But what they don't say to you, solidarity means I'm standing behind you. It just doesn't say how far behind you. I could be way back there somewhere. <laughs> formidable woman, a formidable woman. I um, this, listen, guys. Anybody um, got any questions? Or we, we, I'm happy to wrap this up and just say thank you so much to Eve. Ibrahim for giving us the time. It's great to catch up with you, mate. Um, yeah, um, and, and we will certainly, uh, certainly look forward to this new campaign and see what see what you're going to be doing next. I really appreciate Hopefully. it. Hopefully, thank you so much, guys, for having me, and thanks. To nice to see you again, Abraham. And you're looking well, I have to say. <laughs> you know, I, I need I need to point that out, and I'm sorry, Martin. Every time someone says you're looking well, you're like you know, you're looking well, but you gained a bit of weight. Like. <laughs> 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 I know, you mean? Oh, no, don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, we were when we first met you. We were both very struck that you were just, and I, I don't mean this in a disparaging. You were good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but true. you're, you you're, you're. I mean, you've you've matured both in your look and in your mindset, and it's it's great. It's great to see. Absolutely. I wish you would grow up a bit, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> look, that's growing up for me. That is. <laughs> Thanks, folks. I'll talk <laughs> Thanks, to you all soon. Man. Take care. You too. Bye.